The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. My 12-year-old daughter probably heard that and went, wow, that's what I used to sound like. It's a Chuck and Chernoff show right here on The Fan. Carlos Medina subbing in for Matt Chernoff, who is on break with the family, vacationing this week. A number of fill-ins that you'll have in the 3 p.m. hour, which is brought to you by This Stuff Matters. Like and subscribe to This Stuff Matters podcast posted on the 680 The Fan's website under the podcast header or at thisstuffmatters.net. But the rest of the crew is in, and that's really what's much important, and especially when you're talking about one Chuck, Chuck Oliver. Let's start off by saying hello to Chuck. Hey, Ch- Carlos. Yes, Chuck. What might you be doing tomorrow night at 930? I, I have no idea. Probably probably at a volleyball practice. What are you doing? I'm going to be stripping clothes off, dancing around on you. Porn. Listen, if it's a moneymaker. I'm doing amateur film stuff on you. Porn. Okay. I know I know the OnlyFans thing is picking up with a lot of people. Honey, get all my slutty shoes out. I'd like to go through them now. You can have your own show if you're putting on a show. Listen, people will pay for content if they like it, Chuck. On you porn. Yes, apparently so. That's that's the new, don't you know it's a new hot site where that's where uh, you're able to uh, show off your true colors. Oh, and you porn. That's right. You celebrate it. Yeah. Could we maybe clip that a little cleaner at some point? Just suggest a little pride in your work. Man. I know. Like there's been times where he works like a hummingbird and I hear it and I go, man, that is like other really times, good. Good enough is good enough. Yeah. Other times it's like, is it ready for three? Is it ready to go? Okay. We're good to go for three o'clock. The brain spring train. Well, <laughs> the Braves spring training is officially uh, getting underway today with the uh, mandatory reporting. Uh, it's just good to see all those guys getting things out. Uh, even a guy like Marcelo Zuna, who showed up and again, a controversial character based on his his time here, whether the DUI arrest, uh, whether domestic violence incident. And it's always nice that when you show up and you say, I'm feeling good, because it's not good, Chuck, when you show up and you go, yeah, I'm still dealing with this wrist. Yeah, I still got this back. It hasn't really come around. I'm not going to get a complete spring training. I'll be joining the guys in a couple of weeks. Right. That's never good. At least you have everyone there, for the most part, getting there and saying, I feel good. Things are things are rolling right along. Yeah, this is where the the every team is going to have somebody who, hey, all right, the team's coming north. I'm going to stay for extended spring training. And then it turns into Cole Hamels. You hope it's not a Cole Hamill, somebody that you kind of pinned maybe 28 starts on. But everybody's going to have somebody that that happens to when they get a little behind, they come in, and they're not ready to go. Uh, Ozuna from the Braves, I've said one of the biggest uh, just just windfalls for the team this year because it's not just they don't have plans. 
my opinion is they don't want him here. And I'll say my opinion only because I don't think Alex has gone on the record of like, yeah, we trade that B if we could. Nobody's told us. Yeah, but I'm assuming that Ozuna from the Braves would be Ozuna from the Mariners or Cubs or anybody else if they could. They just haven't been able to. But he's going to be on the roster at the beginning. And the first six, eight weeks of the season, it's a chance to showcase him and then move him on out or realize, um, well, nobody's really griping and he is hitting. Well, let's see. Guy almost won the Triple Crown in 2020, didn't he? Part of, yes, and part of. That's three years ago now. but Yeah, but we have seen at least Marcelo Zuna production is, all right, you know what? He's going to bat about 250, 255 and hit 25 homers. Like that's what he is typically supposed to do is typically what he's capable of doing as a major league baseball player. You need that. Uh, along with uh, with Rosario, you need that production because when you talk about having to fill in for what you're going to be missing at shortstop and Dante uh, Swanson and his production, you figure that Ozzy Albee is going to be able to do that with a full season of Ozzy, a full season of Ronald Acuna, a full season of what you're going to get with Money Mike in center field. Left field becomes that extra bonus of really having, once again, another special lineup if you can produce at a quality left field major league level. There, any sort of consistent production from left field is additional onto the division-winning 101-win team from 2022. They didn't get a ton of it from left field. No, or second base. Yeah. Or enough from right field or even center field for the first couple. You know, I mean, there are reasons that all of these at-bats are available. Catcher, aces, third base, shortstop, fantastic. First base, there was a six-week, four-week, five-week, six-week stretch with Matt Olsen. You're... He was fantastic, and then he hit probably middle of June, and you're like, this is bad, 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 which brought all his numbers down. He still had a really good year, if you say, outside of, like, this month. But um, he can be better. There's a lot of blue sky there. I think about a a player that we talked about quite a bit during the offseason, Jacob deGrom, and we were very excited about, well, what about this option? What, What if we do this? And the danger was always, well, will he be healthy? Well, if you haven't paid attention, he's over in Surprise, Arizona, and he hasn't been able to throw off a mound yet. That is what happens when you start investing in some of these guys that have had these weird track records. I'm excited about what their pitching is going to look like because if we just assume what we're going to have at the top three, and that's going to be right, be Morton, uh, and obviously Max Freed, then I'm going to be like, okay, I like where where Strider's going to be. And now it just turns into, it's my guy Ian Anderson. Is he back to a level of a year, year and a half ago? Uh, Where's Mike Soroka and his rehab? You've got options that aren't. 36 years old and have been unable to pitch yeah. for more than three or four times over the course of a season the last two years. This is something we're going to have Mark Bowman coming up. Is that right? In about yeah, 20 minutes? Uh, coming up about 20 minutes. At 3.30, you can uh, join us. Mark Bowman at MLB.com. And one thing I'm going to ask him about is we do this as fans all the time, and I mention it sometimes, but like Kyle Wright, was he 20 and 5 last year? Or I'll give you the exact like, numbers. But yeah, he was a 20-game winner. So Kyle Wright, when you have a season like that, we automatically assume – okay, now we're going to get that from Kyle. We're just going to get more from Ian. It's like, no, we don't know that we're going to get that from Kyle. We don't know really any of that from Max Freed. And they they could have seasons where nothing goes wrong or even worse than last year, and it just doesn't wind up in as many dubs for the team. 21-5, and five, by the way. But Stupid. even think about this. Think about if you were... Hang on, let me 21-5 again. I know that's just a record. See, when we talk about regression to the mean, that basically is what has been your career averages and what's the number look like. And the problem that you have uh, with prognostication when it comes to Major League Baseball is that when you're trying to be a prognosticator of numbers for 22, 23, 24, 25-year-olds, it's very difficult because they all pop. They all figure it out at a different time. So when somebody told you two years ago, well, Austin Riley's never going to be a 
280, 275, and 30 home run guy. Well, now that's what he is. That's what we imagine. If, if you tell me Kyle Wright's regression to the mean is 15 and 7, I mean, that that's still outstanding. Remember, he's a top five pick. You know, he's, he's figuring okay. it out. And like I said, I don't know if that's the case or not. Here's what I would say. Like, this is going to be really, really the number one starter for the Chicago White Sox is really obscure. Have you watched Dylan Cease pitch? If you haven't, it's no. okay. He's the number one starter for the White Sox. It's obscure. Um, he throws a slider that when he figured that thing out, I've watched him pitch. Like, I specifically, oh, MLB Network and Dylan Cease is pitching. His slider, like, he's figured out something where whatever Dylan Cease does, he can replicate that. I don't know if Kyle Wright has that. He may. He may. Maybe Bowman knows. Maybe Snitker knows when we have him on, whoever. But, like, there are times where a pitcher, you're like, okay, well, he figured this out now. And so he's got that, and he's got a hammer, and so he's different then. I don't know if Kyle Wright has that. I think a lot of it was more of the confidence that he was having in his breaking ball and and the way he was throwing it. When he talked about last year, the biggest difference was going back to mechanically how he was attacking people and what he was throwing while being a top-five player at Vanderbilt. And that's what he just said. I'm going back to it, to what works for me. Um, you know, the, at times your organization wants to change things about you. And when you saw the results of it outside of, of saving bacon in a World Series game, there really wasn't a Kyle Wright moment around here yet. And so last year you saw, hey, I'm going to change this up. I want to go back to this. I want comfort level. And you saw the results. And so I think that's that's where it's going to be interesting. And again, we'll talk with those guys. Also, Nick and Chris are going to be down there all week long, giving you the best coverage from Bray Spring Training as games will begin on the 25th. UJ Basketball. Oh. <laughs> um, I, tell you, I turned it over. I think it was 66 to 27. Somebody tweeted the image when there was, I think it was 30 seconds left. And the win probability meter said 99.9 for Alabama. At what point when you're up by 50 points, as it was a 108 to 59 final, at what point does that meter actually do hit zero on, on the probability? In that there still could be a forfeit. Yes, so you can't declare anything 100% until it's actually complete. They could foul out like seven players in 30 seconds. Forfeit. They could come off the floor in, in a, some sort of melee, and, and we got to... And get disqualified. There could be, they could bite somebody's ear. There could be a DQ. <laughs> it's amazing the random things you have to come up with okay. in your sports memory. I swear, there was a book I wrote. It's called The Book on Bookies. And I spent a year with a bookie in Atlanta. And he was a very successful businessman. Wasn't actually much of a sports fan. He just wanted to know what the number was sure, each night. He's running business. And so he calls me one Saturday night. Again, he knew he had a ton on this Tyson Holyfield fight. He's like, what happened in the fight? Because it was on pay-per-view and I was watching it. He didn't care. He just wanted to know the outcome. And I was like, uh, Tyson got DQ because he bit off part of Holyfield's ear. <laughs> what? Are you at us? Because he lost a ton of money on that. <sighs> that... So, so there is so ninety nine point nine. There's always a chance you bite off somebody's ear and get DQ'd. I still remember watching Real Sports, and they did a story on this one particular uh, this one particular gambler, and what he needed was a Mets Grand Slam in order to have his bet come in, and he got it. And the player rounded first and was Ventura. and was mobbed by his team, and he never made it around the bases. Yeah, and so at that point, and it's single, and so that was that was the end of it, and just the. The moment where you go, wow, I just got completely snake bit by this situation. Um, yeah. Pretty wild. Also, Georgia Tech, as I was going to say, as you predicted, Chuck, we said, when are they going to win another one? Florida Tech, 79 to 56. So got that game in tow, got it in hand. 
good to go for the remainder of the year. Also, the NFL Combine uh, is going to get cranked up in about eight Yay. days from now. And so the Underwear Olympics, I'm excited. I started uh, a little bit of the draft guide. I started with some of the edge rushers. What I will tell you right now, just from my initial view of, of the guys that are being talked about, uh, obviously Mark Anderson's a different animal. Everybody else is kind of like cross your fingers, developmental pass rusher. Like you like some of the skill, you kid like some of the stuff they got. Any early lean on the kid from Texas Tech. So the kid from Texas Tech, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, Tyrese Wilson. Yep. Uh, anyway, you know, 6'6", 270, 270, 275 pounds. A nice player, got like seven sacks last year. But it's always because he was kind of like barreling towards the the the, the quarterback. There's not a whole lot of like, oh, he features this mover. He's got this uh, amazing Bend, quickness. He's got the it's just inside. it's just big guy okay. who gets after people. And there's a lot of that, that where works there's a lot on of Saturdays. Saturdays. No, no, that works on Saturdays. And and on some Sundays, there are guys where you say, wow, he just overpowered yeah. the player in front of him. Like JJ Watt made it work on. Made it work. I always talk about that. Like on every high school game you go to, even with two bad teams, there's somebody out there who is just he looks like the 22 year old who wandered onto the high school field um and then that happens some in college when it happens at the nfl level that's like a julio guy where you're like there should be another league for him to like keep playing to get to the next league like julio plays like it's still friday night when he was at his best and that's rare there's like five six guys in the nfl like that let's get to a winging it idea it's time to wing it Presented by WNB Factory. Serving up Atlanta's best wings and burgers with over 60 locations. Find yours at WNBFactory.com. And you can reach out to us on the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed and also at 680 The Fan. And this works out perfectly for me because I found out last night that I am white. And so the question is now, who is your favorite white basketball player? Based off of we had a dunk competition where we saw a dude come out of basically nowhere and say, I got this thing. Mm-hmm. My guy still, it's kind of a tie. Because I really liked Vinny Del Negro when I was growing up. But Frank Burkowski has a special place in my heart because he gave me an autograph. And those are my two NBA players where I'm like, yeah, that's them's the guys. He, he had two fouls at the opening tip. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Brickhouse, his entire job was to be the enforcer. Back when we had enforcers, he was yes. the enforcer. Yeah. Uh, white chocolate. You can't beat that. What a what? fun. The white man. Fun, fun player. That dude was so much fun to watch. And the way that guys, like, initially were like, is this guy real? Now, then they found out he's real. By the way, if you had a ticket, don't sit in, like, the first two or three rows because you could get winged. Oh, yeah, no. Like, you, there's, there's times he's where trying he's, some stuff. he's going to throw the ball into crazy places. I, that's the only one I've ever seen who had perfected the elbow pass of throwing it behind yes. his back to hit his elbow to go right in a different direction to somebody else. Uh, Dan Matthews, who's your favorite? Scotty Brooks. Scotty Brooks. Yeah, let's go see. He had his run. He had his time there. Boy, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's absolutely Always true. Always the first one off the bench to congratulate everyone. Always. That was part of his job. It, the the Bulls during their heyday, they had Jack Haley, and his entire job was keep Dennis in check. You're his best friend. Just keep him from going crazy. And that was Jack Haley's job uh, as as the, the Dennis, tall white guy on the if Bulls. If you don't go in, they're going to put me in. <laughs> that's so right. We don't need to this. go in. Uh, Brandon Joseph, your uh, your favorite white basketball player. Keith Van Horn. Keith Van. Keith was slick, though. Number two overall. Number two pick. overall in, in 97. Yeah, because I. And Andre Miller, who Andre Miller may still be in the league. They had Utah in the national championship game with a lead. Had him playing Kentucky that nope. year in San Antonio. That's how I knew exactly who Keith Van Horn was. Brian Horn, who do you got? The professor. My godson. That's pretty good, too. That entire, like, and one crew. Like, skip to Malou and the professor and all those My guys. My godson. Escalade. They were all, it was all fun. Now, I'm, it's unfortunate it all kind Sick of faded away. 
but it was always cool. Spider is a spider does. Just going to let him hang out there with that. Hype man. He is the hype man. Uh, You can always hit us up on uh, the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed. Coming up next, the latest George movie isn't anything more than what Kirby has created. We'll talk about that next as we continue right here with the Chuck and Turnoff Show on The Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. By the way, Brandon, I even have to tell you, don't do black guy voice. Welcome back. It is the Chuck and Chernoff Show. No Matt Chernoff today. For the remainder of the week, he is on vacation with the family. Carlos Medina, this is going to be my one day to sub in. And oh, it's a white guy. Well, apparently so, since I've been accused. It's different. Now, you know, just, there's been things that a lot of people call you, especially when you work in the mornings doing a completely other format. And some of them you expect, some of them you go, okay, that was different. Oh. I didn't know that one. I got called, um, we were in Knoxville last football season. You were there. Yes. And we go to commercial break, and I'm going to the bathroom. Hey, George boy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in Knoxville. Be cool. So I turn around, and I'm like, yes, I'm the George boy. Yes. Better get us this year. I was like, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Georgia boy. Uh, one of my favorites that you've told the story before on air was when somebody on Marta tried you to buy, like, a perfume or a cologne. Oh, a uh, designer fragrance. A designer fragrance. And uh, called you, what was the, the, oh, was the white devil? The white devil. And you were like, are there horns? Like, what, was, Well, by his perspective, I was kind of getting it, but I, <laughs> I had re, uh, re- declined his offer of designer fragrances. And so he just you, decided you, to slap a label on you me. You respectfully said, no, sir, I'm good today. And now you're a white devil. Yeah, now the person standing down the track from me said, he'll keep going. Just, just he'll keep going. <laughs> the 3 p.m. hour is brought to you by This Stuff Matters. Like and subscribe to This Stuff Matters podcast posted on 6 of the Fans website under the podcast header at This Stuff Matters. Dot net. Coming up in about five minutes, we'll get a chance to talk to Mark Bowman of MLB.com as the Braves are now all into camp, and we will see what observations he has early on and see what the plans are for some of this pitching staff and some of the plans over at shortstop and left field. But I wanted to bring this up with you, Chuck, because I know that there was a, a little freak out. I, I tell you, I'm still a P1 of this show. I mm-hmm. listen to you guys. Like I'm in Carline. I listen to the show. Uh, I make it a point to, to spend my time with my boys. Now, I know Hoyt was... Kind of freaking out a little bit because Todd Munkin is a is an outstanding offensive football mind. And in this business, I always talk about football being a talent acquisition business. It's not just on the field, it's off the field. You know, if you can get the good coaches, you're in a good place. The reason why I didn't freak out about Mike Bobo is because you've now set up a system of dominance where every part of it has to live up to this level all the time. If you're not, you don't get on the field or you don't get to call plays. And there's no such thing as, well, this guy's going to figure it out. No, you have to hit the ground running. And that is what has happened for the standard at Clemson, at Alabama, at Ohio State, at Georgia. If you get on the field and you're a quarterback, you better be ready to play. If you get in the booth and it's time to call plays, you better put up points. And so just that pressure is something different that I trust because of what uh, Kirby Smart has created from that atmosphere. Oh, I I believe that's absolutely the environment there. And really interesting point there you make because – I have uh, quizzed myself over the past couple of years when I realized, no, I'm starting to lean to Kirby. Like, there was a play, and Hoyt, I know you'll remember this. I think Sean Ely was a freshman, Joe Cox was a senior, and there's a fumble down on the goal line against Kentucky. I was like, sight unseen, I'm blaming the freshman versus the senior, sure. you know. Um, Kirby, over the last couple of years, I'm like, no, I'm on, I'm on side with Kirby, I believe, in the, like, was it Kirby's fault? He hired the wrong guy, or did Coley not do a good enough job? You know, was it Kirby's fault he hired the wrong guy, or should Cheney have done a better job given the talent there? And so I think what it was is it was probably Kirby first out of the gate, 
and getting his legs and, you know, figuring stuff out, uh, as well as, damn it, I'm at Georgia now. Let's act like it. We got some really good talent here. Let's. And so I think that Kirby had some missteps when he hired originally. I think Kirby's passed the missteps. I think Kirby hires people other people won't as their coordinators and coaches. I think about how... Uh, I think that's where he is now. I, I believe so as well. I think about how Oregon ends up taking your defensive coordinator, heads off to Oregon, has a tough game against Georgia, then has a pretty spectacular season. I mean, they, they've got some stuff going on there. And you have Will Muschamp, who's sitting in the wings, and they go, this is what we're going to give you. Here's how it's going to be. And this is the standard by which we played last year. Now, it's an impossible standard, but they got close. Like, they were pretty dominant defensively at times uh, and throughout the year where you said, okay... You took a step back by about a point and a half a season, a point and a half over the course of the season. That's that's pretty good. I think it's going to be that same thing on Mike Bobo, that the standard by which this level of excellence is at, you can't give this thing back. You can't be suddenly a 30-point-per-game team. It's got to ma- maintain where it's been over the last couple of years. There were certain times, not everybody, but there were certain times when I would see Wade Phillips got hired as a D.C. in the NFL, and I'd be like, are you sure? Because if we hired Wade, what's Wade? Wade? He's the interim. Wade, Wade, okay. Not only is he the interim, but he's going to get your defense playing really well, really fast, and then it tops off really quickly. And, and so you get fired, and then Wade is there. Like, Wade was... Oh, hey, everybody, I'm going to take this job now. You know, interim head coach, just add Wade. Uh, stir, <laughs> and boom. All right, so uh, when you hired Wade, I was like, uh, huh? I wouldn't have hired Wade. Um, Kirby, you talk about confident and none of that at all. He had four former head coaches on his staff last year, four, and he wasn't worried about any of them angling for his job or anybody else's job. He, he's he got four. Now, Munkin's gone, boom, cabin. Um, he wasn't worried. He, no. was, he was like, I'm good. Um, and so even when another team was trying to poach Munkin, Kirby's, the reason I say all this, he's in a different spot than when he hired James Coley. He's no. in a different place as a head coach than he was in 2016 or 17. Matt had made a point on the show last week, and I know this because I was I was pulling out of swim practice. See, I'm always at a different court, a different gym. Oh, yeah. I'm at a different pool, and so I always then remember, like, oh, where was I? And this is what he brought up. And he talked about, and you said how the schedule is very workable, so the idea of playing three quarterbacks and going undefeated isn't exactly insane. It isn't, it isn't crazy. Typically, you play three quarterbacks, you can only think of one team where you're like, okay, okay they yeah. played a multitude, and that's what they're able to accomplish. It's because that standard is that we're going to let you, like whether it's Carson Beck, we're going to let you do this. And if it isn't up to the standard of what it's been in recent years, well, we're on to the next one. And then we're on to the next one. And then we're on to the next one. And so that is, I believe, that same standard with the coaching staff. He looked at JT Daniels. He's like, well, I'm sorry, five-star, and you blessed me by picking to transfer here. I'm sorry. I'm turning it over to the walk-on. And, and by the way, because it was the availability in practice, and, and that matters. He looked at JT Daniels and said, you've got a pro-level arm, you've got pro-level size, you were the number three quarterback in your class, but you're not available. I was told, this is just word for word, that Kirby realized, this quote, every Saturday is going to be asking JT if he feels good enough to play, and I ain't doing that. Yeah, that's what it turned into, and... It's hard to have that from your quarterback. It's a hard look to have from your quarterback. Hey, is he he good enough to play today? Uh Uh-uh. But that's the standard now. And and if, if he's not ready to play, no. then I'm going to the guy who is able to play. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. 
You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Somebody who always makes plays. We can go out to the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. He is Mark Bowman, joins us from MLB.com. And, and Mark, I want to start right here in something that you tweeted out uh, about an hour ago. The status of Kyle Wright. I think this is one of the things that we're now looking into as, as we get into spring training. We want to know where all the young pitching is, how everybody's looking. Give us the update that we got on Kyle Wright from you. Yeah, I just think I, I heard somebody had told me shoulder bothered him a little bit this this winter, and I talked to him the other day, just saying, hey, how are you? So I feel great and everything, and, and um, you know, and I just kind of went back to him again today. So now, just explain to me a little bit more, you know, about what, what happened, and that, that's when he told me he got the cortisone shot and, and uh, went ahead and, and, and uh, rested for a few weeks there in January, and, you know, that set him back a little bit. He's not going to be ready for the start of the Grapefruit League season, but the Braves have mapped it out, and they're pretty confident he'll either start in that, that DC series uh, there at Nationals Park has the first three games of the season. You got an off day in between, which helps with, you know, setting your uh, maybe even giving him one more extra day uh, if you, if you push him back to that Cardinal series. But either way, they're they're confident that that he's going to make his three or four starts down here, uh, and, and if he's able to do that, um, then he'll be he will not be on the injured list to start the season. So you're you're still looking at thirty plus starts from Kyle Wright this year and. And the story that, you know, that I put out there is he says his shoulder feels better now than it has since 2020. So he's uh, not only coming off a great season, but but he may even feel stronger here uh, as he bids for a second straight 21 season. A giant, giant, giant story for February 16th was a uh, tight hamstring. Um, how is young Michael Soroka? Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. You know, I think everybody's rooting. Uh, to, to to make it back, you know, you never know even, you know, if he makes it back, what kind of level of pitcher is he going to be? It's just, it's such a significant uh, challenge to come back from two torn Achilles. But then, then to, as you're coming into spring training, uh, thinking the Achilles is fine, you've you got a bad hamstring, and that's going to set you back, you know, a little bit. And then you're certainly not going to rush him at any point in time. So, uh, you know, may, maybe at some point this time in the summer, we say, Hey, he needed that extra time. He needed to be able to, to, to get ready at his own pace. But at the same time, this is, it's just disappointing when you think about it, how many different things, uh, from a health perspective we've, we've written about, or you know, talked about, um, about Michael for since going back to 2019, where he came to spring training that year, well, 2018, he makes what five starts and, and then misses the next the rest of the year with a, a shoulder issue. The next spring training he comes, uh, was he, was another shoulder issue that he blamed on weightlifting. Uh, had that great year, and then we all know what's happened since then. One torn Achilles there in August of 2020. He's walking into the clubhouse, uh, you know, in J- June of the next year and tears it again, and it's just been one thing after another with this guy. 
you, you hope that it happens, but at the same time, it just it, it, this trend is is certainly uh, frustrating for him, and uh, you, you hope that there, there's a, there's a a better conclusion for him at some point. Braves beat writer Mark Bowman from MLB.com is our guest. And, Mark, I want to follow up with Mike Soroka because yeah, it's really hard to simulate throwing when it really matters and you're having to face hitters. And that tends to be where guys will, will strain something, will have something a little bit crazy happen to him. Has he just been on a regular throwing program and this this now flares up and this now occurs? Yeah, that's the way Snit explained it to us. You know, he just did right there at the beginning of uh, spring training. You know, he'd thrown maybe – you know, some bullpen, some sides, but, you know, he hadn't gotten to the point where he was ramping it up to, to face hitters or anything yet. He just came to him at, at the start of spring training or maybe even a day or two before and just told him that the hamstring was was uh, was, was bothering him. So, um, yeah, he hadn't even gotten to that point where where he was ramping it up to, to, to face hitters that, that uh, you know, that pretty, probably would have been there during these past couple of days. But, but like you said, that is when – you do get some, you know, some injuries pop out of nowhere, but but he was just just throwing them sides at that point in time. What is the possibility? Just the blue sky with Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates, he tells me, you know, he just told me that he feels great, you know, and and I'll be honest, he he sounded really down when I was talking to him at the end of September last year. You know, he had a little bit of this. He didn't pitch well for the nine appearances he made, first of all, and and then he had to step back and was shut down and, you know, kind of just knew that it wasn't even, it was never going to happen last year. He wasn't even going to be able to pitch in the playoffs or even be with the guys, all that kind of stuff. So he's really down at that point in time. And, and it was the complete opposite. When I talked to him, you know, early last week and seeing him, he said, you know, it's just a great to, you know, have him off season to rest, but also just once he started throwing again here about a month or, you know, six weeks ago, it just the ball was coming out of his hand like it had back, you know, during his 2019 season. He had 41 saves that year for the Padres. He, he's back to that pitcher he was, uh, he feels like, a, a few years ago. So that's, that's the investment the Braves made. That was the gamble they made that he would be ready this year. I think he has a chance to – look, maybe he and Nick Anderson both have a chance to be very good get back to where they were. I guess I feel a little bit better. Uh, about where Yates is right now. I'm looking forward to seeing how Anderson pitches in games. I don't want to, uh, you know, say that he's not going to get back to where he was either. But, you know, maybe maybe Yates uh, fooled me with his enthusiasm, but I, I truly trusted uh, what he was saying. And it, it, the body language body language was good the other day. Braves beat writer for MLB.com, Mark Bowman, is our guest on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. And, Mark, I want to ask about Marcelo Zuna because I thought one of the things about last year was you had – you had two catchers that were capable of hitting the baseball, and you've got that thing again. But you need to find at-bats for Ozuna wherever you can. Maybe that's DH, maybe that's left field. Talk to me about how he blamed some of his his issues in the outfield on inflammation that he'd been dealing with. Yeah, that was kind of a, just out of nowhere today. He comes out and says, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, I think Dave O'Brien said something. I think he was the one that asked the question, you know, what, do you, what have you done to, you know, help your arm? What do you... And out of nowhere, he said it was inflammation. I'm thinking, you just missed. Let's see, what he played, what, the mid to late May of 2021. And he comes back the last year, and uh, he's still throwing that, that ball less than 80 miles an hour from the uh, the outfield. It's like, I just don't think it's inflammation. There was a shoulder injury more than a few years ago. And unfortunately, he doesn't have the arm that he had earlier in his career. Um, 
But at the same time, I don't think you can sit here and go, oh, just some inflammation the last few years because, you know, you've, you've had plenty of rest. It, it, is what it, you're, it is what it is. He's a DH right now. He's a DH on a team that has promised plate appearances, like you said, or indicated there will be plate appearances for both of their uh, catchers, you know, with, with Sean Murphy coming in and, and Travis Darno. So it's going to be very interesting. I think what we'll see is the catchers – See some time at the DA spot there the first couple months. Maybe Marcel gets a chance, depending on you know how he performs here in spring training. I don't think you're you're ready or willing to eat thirty seven million dollars right now. But if you get two months in the season, it feels like he's a, a distraction. He's not providing any value. I, I think you almost have to eat that salary, especially if it's taking away uh, the opportunity for to give you know, Murphy and Darno, the, the amount of uh, play appearances you want to give them. I don't know anything about Dana Brown other than a train specifically looked at him more than a decade ago and said, I know him and I want him with me. And then kept him in or hired him in Atlanta as well. Uh, any, and now he's GM of another major league team. So uh, any change, any hiccup, uh, what are the Braves missing by Dana Brown? Or is this just kind of what it happens? The assistant gets to be the man in another place. No, I mean, I think it's – we'll see with this next draft, you know, how much uh, they miss him. I, the, the, you cannot discount what Dana did with, with the, the drafts that he made, you know, completed here in Atlanta to go and get Shea Langoliers, you know, the one year. Now, all of a sudden, Shea Langoliers turns into uh, uh, Matt Olson for – you know, get that for eight years. And then to, to go get Michael Harris – in that same draft, that was, uh, see, that was 19, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. And and so in 2020, you got, he's got four picks, and one of them is Bryce Elder. One of them is uh, Jared Schuster, who's their number one prospect now, and the other is Spencer Strider. Uh, um, That's stupid. You know, that, that was just an incredible <laughs> draft. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know what? I mean, these guys, you know, you, you ask the other scouts when that first, when they took Michael Harris, oh, that's a little bit of a reach there. Okay, <laughs> nope, wrong. Everyone missed on that. Spencer one. Strider, if I'm remembering. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're talking. You know, he throws a little bit his freshman year. Has Tommy John comes back 2020. We all know how long that college season lasted. Maybe just what the, you know, no more than the, a month. Um, and so he he had what 20 innings maybe at that point in time. They they basically drafted him off those 20 innings. Um, he had completed during that, that uh, COVID, um, you know, 2020 COVID season. So um, they took a, they took a chance. They, well, we, you know, they loved what they saw, took a chance on it and benefited maybe for another decade uh, because of Dana's uh, vision there. So, um, you know, we'll see. I know Alex is, you know, he, he provides some, he looks at some of these videos and has some input on these, these draft selections, but it, it is different than football and some of the other sports. You, you rely on those guys out there in the field. There's so many different colleges and high school arms, JUCO arms to, to go look at. So you rely on your scouts heavily. We'll, we'll see uh, what it's like without Dana this year, but, but he certainly made a great impact. And, and, you know, he and Alex, they, they did have a great relationship. You know, at, at one point in time, I think, you know, Dana might've been the, the, uh, you know, the mentor and, uh, you know, Alex will never, uh, forget everything that he, he did for him early in his career. And, and, uh, thankfully now, uh, Dana has his chance to, to shine in that GM role elsewhere. 
Braves beat writer Mike, uh, Mark Bowman joins us on the Hobson Hobson Newsmaker line. And last thing from me, Bo, because in consecutive seasons, we've now had Freddie Freeman move on, now had Dansby Swanson move on, and you always wonder about what the atmosphere of the club is going to feel like. And I think the one benefit they've had is they've had guys who have been here, guys that have grown up within the organization and who've gone through the minor league system. Uh, is that a concern moving forward just because th- this is a regularity of change, but yet they're making sure they're growing their own at home? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, you, you do always, you, you want to have a, the right guys in that clubhouse. We always talked about, you know, how great of a leader Bobby was. Bobby, Bobby let the players police themselves, you know, and Snit understands that. Snit, the, you know, he, he loved Bobby, he learned from Bobby. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, reflection there, you know, that he, that he mirrors a lot of what Bobby did. And, um, you know, I, I think what's good is, yeah, they, they, they lost a lot with losing Dancy, especially right after losing Freddie. Uh, fortunately, Travis Darno's been around here, and he, he is a very strong personality with that. He doesn't have to, you know, he may not have a loud voice or anything. You know, it's, it's not like he's not out there just, uh, you know, trying to uh, say, hey, I'm, a, I'm the leader. He just does it quietly through words, you know, through some words and, and mainly through action. I, I think he's a guy that can set the tone in there. Um, you know, guys like Max Freed have been a lot around for a long time. Ozzy Albies, it'd be good to have him back there on a consistent basis. Uh, he keeps things loose, that's for sure. And they, but at the same time, as he gets older, he can become more of a leader. It was, uh, you know, way back, it was it was Smoltzy and Chipper's clubhouse for a while. And it, um, it was even, even saw Chipper take even more ownership you know, that right after Smoltzy exited. And I think you're going to kind of see that with Albies now, too. I know it still feels like he's young, but he's been around as the longest out of anyone right now, and uh, he has that ability to be a leader. So he, he may end up getting a more of a voice in that clubhouse this year. You're all aces around here, Mark Bowman. Looking forward to your coverage all year long and look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. Take care, guys. All right, take care. That's Mark Bowman, Braves beat writer with MLB.com down over at Braves Spring Training. Coming up next, the obvious choice for the franchise tag will reveal the Falcons' plans for this offseason. Talk about that as we jump into a front office list right here on The Fan. 680 and 93.7 FM. It is the Chuck and Chernoff show. No Chernoff this week, though. Matt is vacationing with his family, so instead... Uh, it'll be a conglomerate. It'll be several different people. Uh, today, it's your friend front office, Los Carlos Medina, subbing in. I'll be back over on uh, my side of the wall after uh, after we're done with this one today. Uh, but then, like I said, then you'll still have Chuck all the rest of the week. Stop uh, the steal. That's right. As a 3 p.m. hour is brought to you by This Stuff Matters. Like and subscribe to This Stuff Matters podcast. At, it's posted at 6 of the Fans website under the podcast header or at thisstuffmatters.net as well. We've also got some Hexhead art that I'll get to after we finish up a front office lows. As I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown on what I believe I think we're going to see as far as the part one, part two, and part three of the Falcons offseason. He's the man that knows the cap bonuses and all of that. He's the one that gets you cut. Front office don't give a word. He's the guy who knows the law. Can't put him against the wall. He's the guy with all the answers. You know, you would think about this time. This is a special one. We had all this time to get it right. Because we've been doing naughty numbers with it, and apparently when we now break down the NFL offseason stuff, it doesn't work. Smack it! We need a dragon. Fly, dragon, Chuck, dragon power. 
Uh, one more time. Oh, there it is. All right. Boom. All brought to you by <laughs> this, this entry point doors and Work windows. That yeah, that's right. It's going to work every time. It always cracks me up. Entry point doors and windows. Been doing the replacement work in your home for over 20 years. Change the entryway to your home. Change all the windows in your home. You can do that with entry point doors and windows. EntryPointAtlanta.com. So, Chuck, I, uh, I know one of the discussion points that has been going on in this radio station, it's a legitimate one. Because when you draft a lineman in the first round, you realize they typically have special skills. They just stand out. They've got size and they're dancing bears. Once you start drafting tackles in the second, third, and fourth round, they start to have some stuff that's missing to their game. Well, that is where the previous administration saw something with Caleb McGarry and were willing to trade up to grab him at the end of the first round to give themselves the fifth-year option. There were a number of other teams that were interested, including the New England Patriots, and they decided, you know, we got to get in front That's of the Patriots. That's the position you do it for. You do it for a tackle. Tackles are very important in this league. If you don't have tackles, you can't run offense in this league. And what we saw was, according to PFF, the second-rated right tackle in the league last year. Blows my mind. Uh, mine as well, because we have seen enough Sundays, one time against the Rams, one time against Dallas, where that man was a turnstile, where he just went, we cannot run functional offense. But good for Caleb McGarry. When his fifth-year option was rejected after year three, you realize we have one more year, and it's on you to figure it out. Well, he figured it out. Now, what are your options? Because I went to go take a look at the top guys at right tackle in this league. And when you start looking at the number, you go, it's really expensive. It's You know, there always used to be this divide between left tackles get paid this, right tackles get yeah. paid that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's disappearing. Like, a good left tackle is about $20 million. Right now, Ryan Ramchek with the Saints makes $19.2 million at right tackle. Uh, Brian O'Neill, right tackle at Minnesota, makes eighteen and a half. Lane Johnson makes $18 million. Lane Johnson's a freak. He's a total freak. That's a, that's a lot of damn money, though, for a right tackle. Remember, like, do you remember John Tate, the big guy at BYU? Oh, yeah. He was the guy that I remember the Bears. They paid left tackle money for a right tackle. And it was just this big scandal, and it was like, that's the clear difference. You, there's a bit, And there ain't much of a difference anymore. No, you are now expected to be able to play both left-handed and right-handed. Yeah. You have to have both yeah. ends of it. And so when you start talking about this Falcons offseason, I start it by saying, what are you going to do with Caleb McGarry? And I think the only sensible thing to do is to franchise tag him. You are sitting on a significant amount of cap space, and I'll give you all about uh, what you're going to have with Arthur Blank's purse next hour. Because Arthur might come after out of his wallet $300 million this offseason. And I'll give you some of the numbers on how that can happen. But it starts with about $17, $17.5 $17 to get one more look-see at a guy. And we're talking that Caleb McGarry has reached that next level where he's top five, top seven. I'll be, I'll be humble. Top seven right tackle in this league. It's worth it. I tell you, if... It doesn't involve a signing bonus or any sort of long-term commitment, which means there's no bite at the end of it. You get the carrot without any chance for the stick. I'll I'll take that. One season? One season. Hell yeah. And and you would have had you picked up the fifth-year option. But again, smart play. They shouldn't have. This this organization should not have picked up the fifth-year option on Caleb McGarry. But he hit. So now, let me get one more look at it. Let me see if it's real. Because if it's not real, then you move on and you get your $17.5 million back and you're fine. But that is the going rate if you think you're going to go out in the marketplace. And we'll sign a veteran. Let me tell you what the 
let's say, the 10th-ranked right tackle in this league makes. By the way, if anybody's wondering, well, why doesn't every team do that? It's more expensive to be the top five a year later than it was. A, that's the reason you have to declare before the fourth season. Right, your fifth-year option. We are activating the fifth year now. Is made and, up. And So you get that number. Yes, your, your average is over the top 10 at your position at the fifth-year no. option. The franchise tag is top, top five. five a year later a year later that's why the numbers are so much bigger but you have to look if you're just talking to like free agent guys and guys that what they cost out there like Lael collins who can't stay healthy in cincinnati he's now a seven million dollar guy uh rob haverstein he's 11 and a half million so the difference in here's rob haverstein probably the 10th or 11th best right tackle in the league versus number two is 17 million versus 11.5 there's not a whole lot of savings there john yeah and so that's where I think that's going to be the very first move of the offseason. And savings, saving, you, you want the best contract for the team and as many players and plug holes and depth and all that other crap that we all know. This team isn't in a position where you have to worry about every last dollar. No, not right now. If he, there's somebody that you already know that already has a key card, all right, it's more expensive, it's better. See, that is that is the deal when you talk about free agents versus your own players. If we go under the guise that every player has warts, except for, like, Micah Parsons, okay? Like, everybody else, everybody has warts. Big giant guy who can fly around be a killer. Everybody has warts. When you know what your own player's warts are, you know how to work around them. You hate when you sign a guy, he shows up and you go, yeah, he's got a knee. Yeah, he's not as fast as we thought. Okay, what are we paying him? And so that, or the, he's the guy that complains about the bus and the plane and, and the, the food, meal. Right. And the, like, we we didn't know that he was a giant bee. I've seen this movie already. <laughs> it's like we didn't know about this. That is front office lows. Do want to remind you about the 2023 Hexhead UJ National Championship piece. Are you looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the dogs taking home? The national championship will look no further than Hexhead Art, made in the USA, hand-painted. Hand Hexhead Art has officially licensed MLB, collegiate, NFL, NBA, NHL, and military items that are perfect for your fan cave. Your is it wife, origami? No, it's not. It's, it's actually paper. Really, it's really nice to me. Though. Your That's wife a beautiful Superman. doesn't want a decal or a flag on the wall, so upgrade with Hexhead Art. You've got to see these things. They're very cool. They're different. They're vintage, uh, they, and also they don't fade. They're unbelievable. I've given them away for Christmas uh, to my in-laws. They love them as well. Go to HexheadArt.com. Be sure to check out their new Georgia Bulldogs national championship pieces and all their amazing Braves, Falcons, Hawks, and United pieces as well. And also use the promo code THEFAN for 10% off at purchase. That's promo code THEFAN over at HexheadArt.com. All right, coming up next, it's the guilty guy's fault. Shug did it. But a lot of other people missed out as well. We'll talk about that next as we get into the 4 o'clock hour right here on the Chuck and Turnoff Show. This is The Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.
The fan is ready for Brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.